Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I am with my two friends, my two guys, Mr. Matt Welty. It's a new day, and we're here to talk about some fun stuff. And of course... Mr. Brendan Dunn. I'm in here. Where are you, Joe? Enough um, about us, because like wh- you, you look like you're in a sunny locale right now. I want to paint that picture for the listeners who can't see the video. I'm in Florida. The I'm in a hotel. The Wi-Fi is not great. Apologizing in advance for any technical difficulties. Okay. You guys got to roll with me. The but show hopefully, must go on. I did the Google speed test, and they said it's pretty good. The internet, <laughs> pretty good, <laughs> pretty good which is like usually, yeah, usually it's like off the charts. So yeah. we're gonna try to uh, roll with this and see where we get. You said you said you're in Florida. You didn't say you're in Miami because I know that Florida can ve- that, that not can, in Miami. Uh, I'm not in th- Miami. That can go from zero to a hundred real quick. Been in Miami. <laughs> I was in Miami earlier this week for a shoot. Uh, we you talked in Tallahassee? About the, no, not in, in Tallahassee. You in the Panhandle? I'm in uh, Delray. I'm in Delray. Delray Beach? Yeah, I'm in Delray Beach. And yeah, we shot in Miami the same episode we were talking about last week that still hasn't come out with a big personality. Actually, my guy Mosh. Mosh hit me on the text and was like, I know who you shot. It's uh, another, okay, another, okay. another little hint. And that sneaker shopping episode still won't be out by the time this comes out, so we can't no. say who it was. Yeah, I can't say who it was. Okay. It's a pretty good episode. And, yeah, so I decided to stay a, a few extra days and change in scenery, and, and that's that's why I'm here with the uh, with the struggle internet, but hopefully hey, we man. get through are, it. Are you, are you laying you out on it. the beach, Joe? I haven't laid out on the beach. I haven't. I've been taking walks, though. and, and With the, the mask sun- on? Of course. Double masked. I'm double masked. People know you're from New York when you're double masked. I will say that. (laughs) I I got a lot of comments, but yeah, we're double masked. Joe, speaking about being from New York, I have some good news. I've been learning a little bit more about your culture, your Italian heritage. So I'm I'm still working on the al dente spaghetti. um, And I watched for the first time over the weekend, Godfather. Okay. So I, you know, I, it, it it's informed a little bit the way I'm making the pasta because I don't know if you remember the scene in there where the guy is telling maybe Michael Corleone uh, how to prepare the pasta mm-hmm. and you know you, you put a little bit of sugar in the sauce and things like that. So I'm I'm getting more I'm getting more in tune with your roots, Joe. I love it, and, and then we'll soon we'll have you know, good fellas, you you slice the garlic, okay? <laughs> oh, exactly. You slice exactly. the garlic with baby steps, baby but steps. Let, let me let me tell you this because I've been studying up on my trivia too. I, I, it's you don't you don't brown the sausage, you fry the sausage, I guess, because when 
the original author of The Godfather, Mario Puzo, saw the script that Francis Ford Coppola had written. In the original script, he had the gangsters browning the sausage. And apparently Mario Puzo told him that a real Italian gangster would not phrase it that way. He would say that you fry the sausage. So that's what I've been doing with my vegan sausages at night. I don't know if the Italian gangsters would approve or not. Do you do you pour the the pasta water into the sauce? Uh, no, I haven't. Should I be doing that? Just a little bit. Okay. And you, sh- and you should salt the water. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm salting the water. I'm not a total yeah. rookie. J- Joe, do you have any other any other tips here on the pasta preparation? You got to salt the water. Did you I'm just say the water? Okay, I'm salt, salt the water. Salt in the water. water. Just, I just have that garlic. Just have that garlic yes. permeating. Yes, we have the garlic going in, throughout in that oil. Brooklyn apartment, and then <laughs> learn as you go. But that's how you start. Just have that. Maybe a little bit of Pete's premium pasta sauce. Of course. Do we even have to say it? Of course, you should be. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to step my game up. Oh, it, it's, it's been a it's been a rainy time here in Brooklyn. I'll tell you that it was it was a cold rainy weekend, but I love the rain. You know, I brought out an old pair of Fragment Nike Air Magma TZ. Do you remember that Tier Zero shoe? I, I bought those at West NYC for like forty dollars on sale, maybe ten years ago. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember. I think I remember you wearing that shoe when you first came to the complex office. Like yeah, two- more more regularly in my rotation. Then I think I have the Merryweather from that pack as well. They have like mm. the the three mm-hmm. M laces. Has like the zip up the side. Yeah, that- not not sure where those are. Also, some sneaker news. Did we see the P Rod Dunks? Yeah, the P Rod Dunks, and shouts to everyone adding us. Yes, they're listening. They're listening. It, he gave us a little hint. And you know now, if you listen to the Complex Sneakers yes. podcast, you will have advanced knowledge. Yes. You will have tidbits of what's coming up. P-Rod told us weeks ago that he had mm-hmm. some sort of project in the works with Nike SB. He was he was a bit coy about it, but then weeks later, you see it comes to fruition. And don't forget, Clot, Edison Chen suggested that maybe they might have a SB project coming up. And Look don't forget out for that. Who else told us? Dom. <laughs> Brooklyn Dom said Brooklyn Dom. Maybe there was so you know, Complex Secrets Podcast is trying to trying to give you that info. Yes. Listen closely. There might there might be a little tidbit on this week's full size run episode as oh. well. Joe Freshgoods. Oh, oh yeah, Joe Freshgoods gave us okay. some info. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm really happy about that episode. I hope the people listening have already seen it because it's a good one in my opinion. FS Army, yeah, we're in the chat. We're in the chat. We're in the I, live stream. Always. I love that. I, I love to see Joe's name in the YouTube chat I pop, when we're I, premiering FSR. I pop up sometimes. It's that Thursday night. The weekend's here. Feeling good. Supreme Dunks releasing this week, though. My man Matt Welty, not a big fan of the Supreme Dunks. Not a fan of of those, but hopefully uh, by the time this is up, you can read a story that we'll have published on Complex.com oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. The original Supreme Dunks and a little bit tidbits of P-Rod and Atiba Jefferson nice. shout out in, in that story. So, Joe, did you get those sorted out yet? No, I haven't. The blue or black ones I'm into. I'm it's not, not the green, g- right? The green not, is the worst. No, I'm not, not into the green. Uh, blue or black, I'm not going to try too hard. We'll, we'll see. Okay. okay. The best thing was is in Slack the other day at 10 o'clock in the morning, we had an argument about what was the best green sneakers of all time. It was a difficult task. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's that many green sneakers. That I think we kind of landed on. I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head the list, but uh, undefeated Jordan 4 is yeah. probably the best green sneaker of all time. And these are predominantly green sneakers. So people mention chlorophyll trainer ones, white green, Stan Smith. Those are obviously incredible shoes, but I don't really consider them in the same conversation. But, but what else do we have in that? But best Don, green you didn't sneakers? put the Macklemore 6 in yours because it didn't release? I mean, that is one thing, but also I just don't, I don't think it's better than stuff like Okay. Pata Air Max ones, the you know the Grinch Kobe's, kind of denim pair. yeah, Grinch Kobe's. What okay. else did we decide was in there? 
I wish, I wish, I wish we could. Re- we, we we decided we're not going to publish it because it's kind of a cheap thing. To, but yeah. you know, it's a fun discussion. It provided good energy in the morning, though. On provided a good morning, energy. Joe, yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? when you, when you, when you the best to green sneakers. Best green sneakers. <laughs> yeah, so basic. <laughs> so basic. Not even SEO is. SEO is like, yeah, you don't even need to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All, all of Jordan Nine, I think, was also in the conversation. Oh, yes. all of Jordan Nine is is one of my favorites. There was arguments for the all of Jordan Five. I love the all of Jordan Five, but I don't think it's quite up there. And it, it feels so much like the undefeated Jordan 4 that it just doesn't, it's it's to me not distinct enough. I said in the Slack, but Olive Jordan 5, for some reason, I drove like three, three to four towns the day they released on that Saturday trying to chase them down. It wasn't in all the mall stores. You had the, it was like specific accounts and the dude who I was with really wanted them. We drove from like Suffolk County to like the top of Queens. So yeah, chasing those. Uh, he got them. Yeah, he got them. We had the homegrown Air Max 90s as I think that may have been honorable sixth man mention in the list mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you are you finding the conversation wealthy did you do you scroll back to it i was i was trying to trying to people didn't the- like the homegrown i love those i yeah. think it's a pretty good shoe bradley had carbone had those on his cubicle just in complex for years and i used to love them with the orange laces yeah I, I I feel like we may have to make that a Monday morning tradition in the Soul Collector Slack, and maybe we can participate publicly a little bit too. But just you know, pick a color and try and try and whittle down the best sneaker of that color. We we jump to yellow right after, and that's a tough one. It gets the juices flowing. It gets well, the that, peop- that, it gets the that, people going. It gets the was, people going. <laughs> the arg- no, the argument was in I think on the yellow ones was someone had said uh, I think Ben had said Air Max ninety fives, and I was like that shoe is. Or talking about green sneakers, and we I was were like, talking that- about green sneakers. Then we were talking about yellow sneakers. Yes, it's not coming up. Oh well. But you're saying the Air Max 95 Neon is yellow. Oh. Yellow, okay. not green. It's Interesting. Yellow. You guys know how colorblind I am, so I, I just yeah. have to sit that conversation out completely. If you look at the original box of the shoe, it says neon yellow. It doesn't say neon green. That's enough for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, those clots we had Edison on last week. Mm-hmm. Those clots are rolling out, and uh, are they rolling we, into your apartment? I actually got a pair. I actually got a pair. I'm very thankful. Shouts to the guy who hooked me up with the with the pair. Um, <laughs> PR person, but really thankful. They're waiting in New York. I can't wait to to get them. I feel like the perforations on the toe box are such a great addition to that because if it helps your feet not fog up to me that solves one of the big problems of that shoe yeah i'm really looking forward to to getting those and and wearing them and we have these guests on these podcasts that re-inspire us and yes edison his episode really the stories and how much he delved into like the product meetings and stuff like Mm -hmm. that go go check that episode out if you haven't already go feel free to binge the complex sneakers podcast on on this wonderful friday Something that uh, came up this week that maybe it's a topic that I don't know if we're all well-versed in, but I think we all have a little bit of opinion on that maybe we can bring up is people have been going crazy talking about NFTs on Twitter. <laughs> and yes. I think that I think that sneakers are somehow getting lumped into that, that the idea that people are going to buy and sell virtual sneakers on the internet one day how do we feel about well the, that? Th- the thing is sneakers are going to get lumped into everything now everything yeah. is sneakers yeah. sneakers is like it's just a matter of time i think everything is based off of sneakers i feel like that's that's the real that's like crux. The, model? the model of it is that people have seen that sneaker culture has exploded buying and selling in streetwear as well buying and selling these limited things and they're trying to expand 
that on to other sort of you know uh, commodities. Listen, I was um, ahead of I was ahead of the curve this summer. I was taking Good Burgers Instagram uh, photos, the classic like vintage <laughs> photos. Yeah. I went to CVS and I started printing them out and, and putting them in frames. It was <laughs> I ahead of the curve. The <laughs> yeah, was I ahead of the curve? I was like, I was DMing him. Hey, can you send me a high res? I go to CVS, two dollars. I get the four by eight or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. who would have known? Yeah, I, I did. Welty, I, I do have a, a bit of an opinion on the NFT stuff. I think it's it seems quite dumb to me, but I'm I, I'm also not educated on it, so I don't I don't want to speak about it too much. But I'm just like I don't I don't understand it. And I'm like your why initial would you reaction is, in this? is yeah is is, is, is is one of confusion. But I, I I don't know. And also I feel like I've, I've wanted to tweet something snarky about sneaker NFTs, but I've seen too many NFT tweets in general, and I'm just like sick of seeing this stuff. So I'm like I don't even <laughs> want to add anything to this noisy conversation that already exists you know yeah if if the one bit that i saw that seemed interesting was that they're claiming that you know there's going to be an nft one day that's so big on the internet and it's not going to be like anything that we thought an nft is going to be which i guess maybe that idea kind of is like oh once we finally see what a big nft is we'll understand it but at this point there really isn't such a thing that to like make non-believers believe that this is like the next wave of everything so i gotta read the wikipedia article like five more times and text bobby hundreds for the full explainer He's bobby hundreds knows bobby hundreds knows all about this man bobby hundreds is he's on everything he is on him and, he's a, he, him, him he's and gary v leading the nft uh charge i don't know man okay. i'm skeptical but uh, we're here to talk about another topic that kind of got the internet riled up right and kind of spin off from there our, our opinions about it i feel like we should get into it guys absolutely it's been a big week there's been a big story that has taken over the internet and done uh, you reported on it yeah so everybody's talking right now about ann hebert the former nike employee of 25 years who resigned on monday four or five days after the bloomberg business week article came out documenting the reselling business of her son, Joe Hebert, who goes by West Coast Streetwear. So so basically this long article at, at first glance, and, and shout out to Joshua Hunt who wrote that nice scoop. Um, at first glance, it looked like another one of those articles that we've all seen where it's it's basically uh, an outsider's point of view of the sneaker reselling business, this this incredible new thing that is the sneaker reselling business. Wealthy, go ahead, sorry. No, I, I, this I guy's totally, grinning. This guy no, is I grinning. totally agree because I, I read like the first like paragraph or two and was like, this thing is useless. Like, why do I even care about this story? It's just like explaining sneaker culture to, to your parents. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then, then it blew up. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Joshua Hunt, obviously the author of the story, but tucked towards the bottom and, and kind of a little bit of a buried lead was the information that this kid, Joe, this 19 year old had this reselling business that was connected in some way to his mother and who the author discovered to be again the vp of north american business at nike vp slash gm had been at nike for 25 years this woman is an executive in control of a lot of stuff in her purview partly is the sneakers app among many other things and basically i'll just we have the quotes here because i don't want to i don't want to blur any of the facts but you know the author said quote hebert later sent me a statement for an american express corporate card for West Coast Streetwear LLC to demonstrate West Coast Streetwear's revenue, and it was in Ann's name. He had this credit card in his mother's name, and and so this guy basically reached out to Nike to figure out whether or not they were okay with this or knew about this. And the Nike spokesperson told the author of the Bloomberg story, 
quote, there was no violation of company policy, privilege information, or conflicts of interest, nor is there any commercial affiliation between WCS LLC and Nike, including the direct buying or selling of Nike products. And this came after Ann Hebert reportedly, according to Nike, disclosed the information about her son's resale business in 2018 to the business. And they had said that, look, there's there's nothing wrong here. And then a couple of days later, she resigns. I, I It's... It's insane. It's people. People are upset. <laughs> people are, are interested in what level of nepotism is at play here. How, how do we feel about this thing, guys? I, I mean, I think we can all agree that there, for better or worse, there's a lot of bad takes going around Twitter yeah. on this. Yeah, where a lot of people who are very uninformed, which I would say that most of us are uninformed on this topic to to a large degree, not on reselling, but what actually transpired between Joe and his mother, Anne. I, I don't think we we maybe have some inside information, you know, a little bit of people telling us scoops on things, but the proof of the kind of, it's almost like some crazy like QAnon sneaker conspiracy that Joe's mother was giving him early access on sneakers and letting him buy up all the stock. And this is the reason why you can't buy sneakers on the internet just seems like people just jumping to conclusions and totally crazy. Yeah. Joe, how closely have you been following this story? I've been following it closely in our Slack and, and what you reported on, but it's kind of, you know, reselling is a little foreign to me. And, yeah. and you know, that's why this episode, you guys definitely are more familiar with it. I would say it, you know, it, it's the, the pictures of, of him with all the sneakers and the connection, a lot of people are going to pay attention. So, and a lot of people are upset and, and mm-hmm. people are upset. I think partly because this feels emblematic of what's happening on sneakers. You know, this is not the reason you can't hit on sneakers, whether or not he gained some huge advantage through the connections that his mother had. I don't think that's really affecting statistically. Like you can't hit on sneakers because every time you try and buy a pair of sneakers on there, it's a lottery ticket, basically. You know what I mean? So this isn't the reason for that, but I still think it's something that shouldn't have been happening at Nike. This connection shouldn't have existed, and I'm glad that something has been done about it. But, Joe, I, I think it's kind of funny to, if, to kind of step away from it because you say that, you know, you're not too familiar with reselling, but to show how big reselling is in the world, I feel like you're massively connected to the ecosystem of reselling like you buy a lot of resold yes sneakers yourself that's what i was going to say but and even and even your show you know the majority of time you're taking people to buy sneakers at stores where the sneakers are being resold so i think you know even though you're not directly connected to people reselling themselves it's like the ecosystem of reselling is so close to you business-wise definitely and i also think that for me, it, there's many forms of it that I wanted to get into, kind of like the reselling, and, and we could dissect it more, where dealing with like resellers who I have, like PG or Curated yeah. Van, it's like you can literally get any sneaker from any era. This was different in that it was like buying new releases. Do you see what I'm saying? Like no, the, for sure. That's, that's, what, that's what I mean. But with, without reselling to some degree, like reselling is a necessary evil in in sneaker culture whether whether we want to agree with it or not i know everyone wants to hate resellers resellers are always pegged as kind of like the anonymous boogeyman who's the reason why you can't own shoes or anything but like you said joe like you want to get a pair of air force ones yeah like the from busy two, peas, like yeah mm-hmm. from like 2007 or what or whatever and but you've the, wanted for 15 years yeah you know? exactly and the only way for you to actually get the shoes is to buy them from 
a reseller. Yes, and also they're like I look at these young kids who are sourcing 1985 Jordans and it's like that's very cool to me. That's yeah. like that's such a it's a hobby where there's a ton of passion that goes into it, honestly. And it's from start to finish, s- sourcing the vintage sneakers, finding someone that is looking for them, a ha- like making a happy customer and things like that. So the thing about reselling is there's so many avenues to it now. There's not just one type of reseller out there. And you know, I'm friends with, I guess, not not a dis- disclaimer, but I'm friend very close with a lot of resellers. And I feel like I have like a... a pretty close view on what happens on these things just not i'm not friends with them because they are resellers they just happen to be you're my not buying reselling resold shoes from them no and i'm not reselling i mean i've they've hooked me up on shoes in the past or you know whatnot but i'm not friends with them strictly because you know they resell sneakers but a funny quote to kind of encapsulate it in i'm not going to take this too seriously but our friend pg i asked him yesterday <laughs> i go i go <laughs> always always ready yeah. to stir something up with the i go I, and i ask go. him and i ask not, him I ask, this is not the view of the complex sneakers podcast this is the view of, of an individual who's wealthy is friends with <laughs> i ask him because we're obviously all talking about this in the group chat and i want to get their take on it because mm-hmm. they're all resellers and i go paul i go why is everyone so mad at resellers right now and his answer was, he says to me, because they're all broke. <laughs> I think that's a little sick. Here's the thing, though. I do think it's misguided to assume that anyone who's reselling sneakers or into reselling sneakers isn't passionate about or genuinely interested in sneakers like we are. And I actually think that, like, some of the early sneaker media, like, came from this position of, like, reselling is bad. Like, I'm not here to make that moral judgment. I mean, like, I, I see kids sometimes on Twitter who are obsessed with flipping and it's their whole lives. And I wonder whether or not they care about that history. So I I have some of that same cynicism. But I still think it's wrong to assume that just because people appreciate these things differently than you do or somehow don't appreciate them on the same way that you do that they don't appreciate them at all, you know? And I've seen like some people, you know, act like this, like the idea that reselling makes you not a part of quote unquote the culture. But uh, most of those people have resold sneakers. We like we've all done it at one point or or another. You know what I mean? Whether or not it's like it's not our commercial business, but we've we've benefited from it. You know, we participated. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a huge difference too, where, you know, you're talking about people, you know, curating old shoes people who are really sneakerheads who look at it a way to make money and there's also like a lot of resellers i see too who kind of get caught up in it sort of like a like a pyramid scheme where it's like if you buy this bot and get this amount of yeezys your goal at the end of it is that you know you're going to be able to buy a, a mercedes or a bmw which a lot of these kids end up doing which we saw with west coast streetwear i know there's that infamous photo of him flexing two cars but it's kind of like the you know when you'd see kids growing up if you sell these many things from a catalog the there's a reward for you at the end of it like the chocolate thing at school you sell a chocolate bars (laughs) the other thing the other thing we should talk about is how much reselling has made sneakers mass like that is the stuff that reselling is the stuff that kind of got these write-ups that People who never really cared about sneaker culture started to hear how big this business was because they were reading it in publications that they normally would not read about sneakers in. So I think that's a big thing as well. Reselling, it became such a business entrepreneurial aspect to sneakers, sneaker collecting, that it went mass when Mm -hmm. people who were not ingrained in it 
as much as we were, were reading about like, wow, this is a real business. This is like stocks. Right. Well, let's be honest. The most pop, the most famous sneaker store in the world is Flight Club, mm-hmm. right? Hand, hands down. Most famous sneaker store in New York. Yeah, I, I would say in the world. It's yeah. the biggest, like, most important tourist destination, you know, where people go, they're not even trying to buy shoes. They just want to see the mythical place. And it's all just based off of reselling shoes. Yeah. Institutions like Flight Club, like you said, are we prepared to say that they're bad for sneakers? I'm not. I think Flight Club is an important place that helped show at least people like me. And maybe this is because I'm a little younger than some of the, like I said, more cynical people I see looking at resale as a strictly bad thing. But like Flight Club was one of the places that helped me understand why some of these things are special or why they were aspirational or things like that. And like to say, you you can't really dismiss reselling as a whole because then you're dismissing places like that. Like the people who started Flight Club, like they love sneakers. Nobody can say that those people, we had Chris Vidal on the podcast a year yep. ago and he was there in the early days. You can't say that that's not a place that cares about sneakers. But I, I think it gets weird when brands themselves are participating in some way. You know, a lot of people have even mentioned like the fact that Foot Locker is invested in GOAT. It's like, yeah, that's to me when when the line is blurring because I do think there should be a clear line between retailer and reseller. And, and I I do think that you just need to say, because I know we're like kind of saying that reselling is all good there. I mean, there obviously is frustration with resellers when everyone wants to get a shoe and they find out that some kid bought it 2,000 pairs. Obviously, people are people are going <laughs> yeah, to get mad you, about it. People are going get to get mad, mad about get it. Mad. Or if there was a shoe that, you know, you genuinely wanted to wear and then you see a kid, you have to buy it for a thousand dollars off of him. Of course you're going to get mad, but I just think that sneakers have has created this ecosystem where even if you want a shoe, and I know there's everyone out there, I, this is the argument I hate the most, is that when people are like, you should give shoes to me because I would wear it. You know, like I should be able to get it for retail price because I'm going to wear the shoe. And I feel like shoes today are such big business that almost a good percentage of people who say they would wear the sneaker like Travis Scott ones or something like that. If they actually got their hands on it, the first thing that would cross their mind is how much is this shoe reselling for? Maybe I'll flip it. Mm. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. They're almost like lottery tickets at this point. Like if you got a pair of chunky donkeys and you yeah. like, Oh, this shoe's so dope. I want to wear it. But That's the thing. You- I can't, again, I'm in the, I'm, I'm like, I can't make that judgment. I can't fault somebody for no. reselling a pair of shoes. You know what I mean? No, I think we all have to admit too, like, just again how we benefit from it some way or benefit from these kind of connections i mean like you know we're in this position like if i want a sneaker usually i can get it for retail like i'm in a privileged position Mm -hmm. where like somebody can help me out on a sneaker but i do think that's like a little bit different than sneakers being backdoored for a bunch of money or or a store selling stock to a reseller for over retail you know because like if i'm asking for favors like that which again full disclosure i do like I, that's for stuff I'm going to wear, not stuff I'm going to resell. You know what I mean? Right. I, 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 just, I just think that, like, we, we got to be honest about those systems that exist. But, you know, just to keep it transparent, you know, my, my, fr- I, not to name names, but people I know who kind of deal in that sort of ecosystem from time to time say that, you know, the reason why a lot of this backdoor happen, back, Doring happens, not referring to Marcus, but backdooring, like you're talking about off-white ones or maybe even clot Air Max ones, not from Edison, but, you know, just from another retailer who gets it. I don't know if that's going to happen, but just hy- hypothetically, just okay. hypoth- hypothetically, if someone, okay. just a regular hype release, right, that, you know, that people want to get their hands on. Why it happens is a lot of the times is that these retailers are so far in the overhead with Nike, where you have a Nike account and you have to buy 
you know, a hundred, 150 different SKUs to keep your account and fill it out and make it like a million dollar purchase just to get, you know, the shoes that you really want that you're like at such a loss with the other product that you're going to backdoor some of it to even out your, your book at the end of the year. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, when they hear that wealthy, they, they might think we're making apologies. No, I don't want to make any apologies for those resellers or retailers. I just like, I think it's important to understand the whole entire picture. It happens you know though. I mean? It's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that goes into this that people don't realize is what happens in the world of reselling shoes. One thing I think is funny is that to take it back, um, I think the first reseller that I ever encountered, and I may have like told this story on the podcast before, is when I was working at Foot Locker in central New Jersey. And this was like 2010, 2011, like when the white cement threes Mm -hmm. had, had come out and that this was before there was a real solid release date policy. So it was kind of like each stores tried to one up each other and open earlier than the next one. So it'd be like a 3am release where just open the gates whenever you could get in the mall and get the shoes. But like, there was this one guy who wasn't into sneakers at all. He was a PE coach or a PE teacher that used to sell baseball cards um this like really like lanky i just remember the guy like lanky bow-legged dude with boot-cut jeans uh in polo shirts who would who would come into the store (laughs) and um on one of the releases you know i think the manager at the time of one of the stores in the mall like white cement threes sold this guy all the shoes except for like five pairs so he bought 30 pairs of white cement threes at retail or what a a little bit over a little bit overhead like he had to give them yeah he had to give the manager like a thousand bucks or something like it was just starting to when when i was detailing the finish line it was just starting i would say on that tip but but the like the jordan white cements and like i remember some managers like People who had mom and pop stores. That's what was happening, though. People who had mom and pop stores was coming were coming to finish line and getting the release, and then, I, and I. That's when it like really the first time like I experienced it happening. But the other part of it is that the people who came in and bought all those Proby dunks, the Terminators, yeah. like the mm-hmm. Vandals, and the Air Trainer ones, like that, and then save them. Yeah. That's another form of reselling, which I think is I don't want to say I don't want to say it's corgi more of a, corgi. Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Done. Like the pa- do we want to say that's passion? I to me, I, mean, I like, think it is. Corgi is another cynical guy who like you know is is very allergic to the word sneaker culture, and and that's a fair position to me. But like you can still tell that these people care about shoes. Again, like yeah, how can you say like whether it's a forty year old guy who you know, was back in those days hoarding all these dunks just because he wanted to buy them or a 19 year old kid who runs bots on Twitter. Like they're dedicating their lives to this shit. Like how, you know, like that's, that's passion. Right. And then when in finish line, when they hit the, or foot locker, when they hit that sale rack, that clearance rack and the, and then these guys what, what, came was it in an issue for you guys, Joe, like were, were, no, were, I don't, were you ever I, told like, don't let resellers buy the stock or like, it wasn't to happening watch out for resellers. It wasn't happening that much. That's the thing. Like, I don't really remember it happening that much. I do remember where people were buying multiple pairs of like clearance stuff. And, and that was allowed. Like it wasn't. I, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like 20 pairs or anything like, but but maybe like a few sizes of the same shoe. And then it's funny to see it now in 2021, you're looking at these shoes 
that I was like, no way. These are the same ones from 2001, 2002. And they are. Yeah. And just, I, I remember that was happening because I just remember even working at finish line, how important the sales shoes were to mark them down mm-hmm. and have like the th- last finish line, have these slabs of like 11 walls or sometimes in big yeah. stores, eight walls. And like, sometimes the last three slabs were all this discounted footwear. And that's where you would find some gems. And if they were super cheap, which they were, people were buying multiple pairs. And I don't think that the majority had the foresight to save them until 2020 right. or 2021, right. but some did. And, I never, I never really, well, I, I never took part in it because when I was working at Foot Locker, um, like reselling wasn't as big of a thing, you yeah, know, where this is like early 2010s, like 2011. Yeah. Where if you got the shoes, like, what are you going to do? Like sell them on Nike talk or like have to like, I didn't even have an eBay account, you know, like I think I told on here, I bought a pair of shoes at a, a local sportswear store and someone just wanted them because I posted them on foot and I sold it to them for like three times as much as I paid for it, which was still only 150 bucks. Like that mm-hmm. was my first foray into reselling and I regretted it because I still wanted the shoes. Wait, but what was the shoe? It was um, the shoe called the Air Terra Goatech. It's an AC okay. Juice shoe that never got re-released from 2000 or yeah. 99, something like that. But you know, it's, but back then, you know, once like shoes started to catch on, like in 2011 or so, like after like South Beach came out and like foam posits were, were all the rage. Like, I mean, obviously all the managers, I mean, I wasn't a manager then at that time because I was going back to school, but all the managers at the time would get the shoes on discount, you know, it was 20% of the stock was sold to the employees. And, you know, a lot of the managers would just buy each release on on you know on their discount and then flip and then it resell? to someone yeah and then, re- and then were, were there rules against that like joe i want to know for you too or like was this too early to where like wasn't happening now- wasn't happening with yeah. with me my whole yeah. thing is like we wore all the sneakers we weren't thinking about it yeah we weren't th- like that's the thing with me is like all the sneakers i'm getting i would just i wanted to wear them you know what i mean yeah or even if i wanted an extra pair i wanted to have a second pair I mean, yeah. you were, you're always like, kind of like skeptical about it because, you know, you'd have, you know, a woman as the assistant manager and she would buy like a 10 and a half in, in the foam posits or like whatever. And obviously that shoe wasn't for her. And people were like, Hey, what's going on with that shoe? And they'd be like, Oh, uh, it's for a brother of mine. But like, I think everyone kind of knew that, you know, that the managers were just buying every, cause they were buying every single release. You like, might've been I, a little later than me. Cause it, my era wasn't happening. No, like this is that. like 2011, 2012. Oh, yeah, no. 12. This is yeah. like pink pink foam posits. So okay. it's like if you're buying every single release that's coming out in like sizes that aren't yours, uh, it's kind of obvious to what's going on behind the scenes, you know? But that stuff feels so innocuous now, you know, like looking at where sneaker reselling is now, where we have kids posting photos on the internet of, you know, a warehouse full of off-white yeah. Jordan 5s or something yeah. like this. And that's like, I, I think it's different to, again, to me, Uh, I'm going to say it again and again, like I'm not going to make the moral judgment that reselling is bad, but for Nike to be somehow involved to me, that is wrong. You know, Nike's natural position on these things is to kind of be softly against reselling, whether or not they really care is a, is a really tough, a really tough question to answer. But, but I do know that like employees aren't 
allowed to participate in reselling. So to me, you can't have a VP whose son is racking up $132,000 in credit card charges on a card with your name on it to resell sneakers. You know, it's similar to the Marcus Jordan situation. If if you benefited from an inside connection at Nike, resold sneakers en masse for huge profits and got away with it, that's a problem. To me, Nike shouldn't be involved in that. And sometimes it's hard to tell, um, you know, again, going back to the, the Bloomberg article, it, this, this information was disclosed to Nike and they said that there were no wrongdoings. Now, upon it becoming a, a, a new issue, did they discover there was something amiss? Maybe. Or did they discover that it was too much of a PR issue? Maybe. Maybe some combination of both those things. You know, we have to consider what, what little facts we have here. But I, yeah. I, I do think that Nike, if they discover such a connection, they they can't they can't be in that position. And, you know, people... People have been fired for things like this, you know, for years. You know, there's there's lots of speculation around a lot of people's names, and it's not that it's not the same situation. And I know I talk about it a lot, but like Kyle Yamaguchi getting in trouble for reselling all these samples of rare LeBron sneakers and Nike basketball sneakers. That was a huge scandal, and I I, I do think that again I appreciate the cynicism, but like there are people in Nike who do care. I I, I don't think like you can Definitely. unilaterally say that like Nike doesn't care. Like, and I'm not defending the brand here. This is just based off talking to people who work there, but like the people who work there are people like us, you know, because this sneakers thing became so big, I think partly because reselling people like us ended up at these brands. And so they care about these things being compromised. It's just like, they don't always have the answers. Does the executive level care? I don't know. You know, it, it we're talking about it. It's, it's more PR, you know? So it, it's, it's really hard to say. And I, I think it, I think it's tough on multiple levels. Cause I know that there was like a tidbit that had come like the, the question is, is how involved was Ann Hebert in the situation with her son, Joe. I mean, right. we mentioned that before. We don't know. I think there was a tidbit that came out that the father was the one who helped him set up the LLC, which seems like people can draw what they want from that. Um, I imagine that if a kid who's a teenager at the time wants to set up an LLC, he doesn't know how to do it. His dad probably just helped him, you know, file the paperwork and, and whatnot. At least in my head, that's what I want to assume had happened. Right. Um, but you talk about, you know, the hundred and thirty plus thousand dollars charged on her credit card. Obviously, that's a huge red flag. Maybe he's just using her credit card. She's not the one who's like, you know, getting him all the shoes behind the scene. But I guess like in best case scenario, if th that's all it is, is that he's just using her credit card because he can't rack up that much, you know, credit to to buy things then it's just kind of like negligence on on her on her behalf you know at where best, it's like at, mm -hmm, best. At, at best where it's kind of like you know it, i hate i hate using this uh, scenario scenario but it's kind of like you know you have a parent who's well off and has a great job but like they're too busy and they're and you're like how the hell is this going on and maybe the parent didn't know that it's happening but it's still happening under under the household so at some point the responsibility has to come back to the adult in the situation who's supposed to be looking over what's going on uh, he's an adult too you know I yeah know. I, I think you know it's, it's it's interesting too it's just such a I, I i tweeted this and i think people misconstrued some of what i was saying as feeling sympathetic for ann hebert or sorry for her I'm, I'm, that's not necessarily my position but just like to imagine that you have worked at a company for 25 years and this is how it ends it's just hard to even fathom that like when i i remember when i was in high school you know not too many years younger than this kid crashing my mom's car i wanted to kill myself you know what i mean i can't imagine putting somebody's 
family in jeopardy like that. But I, I, I do think what happened still owes to the lack of judgment on the part of the family, the mother and the son, you know, but the fact that this is what reselling has come to that it, you know, it, it affects corporations like this, a major change in the exec lineup. And one of the other things too, I think that has gotten a little bit overlooked in, in the bigger scope of this story where everyone thinks, cause they saw the picture of the off-white Jordan fives. That's like the infamous photo. But I guess it had come out that he bought most of those off of stadium goods because the shoes were going for below what the average resale price. So those shoes actually weren't purchased from Nike. Um, but the one the one thing that I think that people were missing in the story, not to defend Joe Hebert at all, but he had outlined it pretty clearly that the, a, a, it seemed the majority of his business was going around to these outlet stores and picking up hundreds of pairs of shoes at a time in this business that he had called West Coast Bricks and like buying things like Vapor Max and finding out maybe he was finding out the information when the shoes were going on sale from his mother. I don't know, but he'd find out that popular models were going to be heavily discounted. He'd wait and we reported on in our story, you know, from a source that we had found that he was using his mother's discount code at the outlets, which would, would have been perceivably 40%. So he'd buy a Vapor Max for 60 bucks, get it for super cheap, and then flip it for, you know, not retail price, but some somewhere in the middle and make and recoup a bunch of his money off of that. I, I want to talk too about like our personal involvement. Like how much not in this story, but like how much do we buy and resell? You know what I mean? Like, do you guys ever buy stuff on resale? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, I buy resale, yeah, a ton. Yeah. You know, I buy StockX and PG Nose. And like I said, those shoes that it, 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 I'd say it a lot on this podcast. When we were in the studio, the shoes that we were talking about before the podcast, I was like, oh, man, I remember those. And I would go on StockX to try to get them. So you guys know that I buy a lot of resale. Yes. A lot of, a lot more to go back, though, and c collect shoes that 
I remember, you know, to, to be honest, I bought the Air Zoom Citizen recently, and yeah. I, the, everyone knows that I love that shoe. I probably can't wear it, but I bought it off um, bought it off Goat. They had mm-hmm. a size eleven, so yeah. But but Joe, but, you've never. I'm not trying to like out you here. This isn't like the Matt Wealthy joke, but like, have you resold ever? Like, have you ever resold a single pair? What I always say is, if I got a pair like a white pair, I remember I got like the white Supreme Fives, right? Okay. And someone in the office wanted them. I don't wear white, so I gave it to them for retail. Yeah, you've, that's you've really never the extent. Of, that's that's like the re, that's like the extent of it. Maybe all day came and picked up a pair back in the day complex. Yeah, but that's how would how would you feel, Joe, about if you sold a pair of shoes to someone in the office for a fair price, and you found out down the line that they resold them care. for profit? I wouldn't profit. care. I wouldn't care. Really? No. I would I would be a little upset. Sometimes, sometimes I don't think I would care. I don't think I would when care. When your friends ask for favors on sneakers, you have to double check and be like, "Is this person asking me?" I don't think I would care. Yeah, I think Brendan, not to name names, you had gotten a. We had gone to a. <laughs> he Nike said not to name names right after saying yeah. my name. Yeah, <laughs> no, but me and you had gone to a Nike sneakers event. Okay, and we can cut this if you want. But we had gone oh, to a Nike. I know what you're talking about. We had gone to a Nike sneakers event, and they had given us early access for like media people to buy like the off-white yes. air force ones and you out of your good heart went to go buy them for someone in the office and they asked you how much they were flipping for which is like <laughs> well, I don't, for what it's worth i don't think that person ever resold that sneaker but yes that did happen <laughs> well did you ever buy stuff on resale buy stuff on resale i, I feel like uh, among us you probably do it the least or maybe me or you i don't know i don't do it very much I, I, I really don't. Sometimes there's stuff that I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I would buy that, you know, and then end up not doing it. And I think I've mentioned it on here once, like a lot of the Adidas stuff I want, it's not available through StockX. They're available through like UK Facebook groups. And mm-hmm. I've, and I've thought about like buying shoes off of there and I don't want to deal with like someone shipping it and having to pay them like $45 to ship it to the States and have to clear their customs. And But but do you even consider that reselling? Because I've heard you talk about these groups before and these groups are yeah. like, they're, they're collectors, right? But they'll buy and sell shoes to each other and they don't even, you're not even like allowed to sell shoes for too much over the retail price, right? Like it's this interesting usually, thing kind of reselling, po- but kind of not. Yeah, they kind of police each other. It, it's it usually, I think most of the people in the groups, uh, they tend to, the age tends to skew a little bit older. I would say that a lot of people are like, late 30s or 40 plus maybe even there's some people in their 50s in the group not saying that you can't be into sneakers at that age it's just not like a bunch like the stereotype of a bunch of young teenagers buying and flipping yeezys on the internet right yeah so the the group kind of polices itself where it's like if people are selling shoes for way over what the i guess what the perceived value of the shoe is even if it's like older so if it's like it's all in pounds and so if it's like 120 pounds like the shoe was like 100 bucks someone wants to sell it for 120 pounds but if someone comes in is like i'm selling this shoe for 290 pounds that person would probably get banned from the group because they don't want like what they'd call profiteering people Mm. in the group yeah see that's all foreign to me it's so it's interesting it's interesting joe we got to get you in one of these uk (laughs) trainer facebook groups (laughs) and then done what would you what about you what would you say i mean i would say that like i don't actively 
well, maybe that's not the right portrayal. I mean, like, I do resell stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's stuff, you can see my background here, mm-hmm. you guys on the Zoom, where, like, I hold on to stuff for years, and then sometimes I decide that I don't like it, and I resell it. And I don't really feel any particular guilt about it, because, one, it's a shoe that I got usually without any connections. You know, like I mentioned earlier, asking people for help on shoes. If I'm asking somebody to, like, help me buy a pair of shoes at retail, on principle, I won't resell that because it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel right to have used that favor and, and you know, t- for something just to make money. But, you know, shoes that I've naturally accrued or, like, you know, bought at an outlet years ago, like, yeah, I spent the money on it, like, and now it's worth more money or I never wore it. Like, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I do it pretty steadily, but I'm not, like... And this is not to say that I'm not in that same group, but like, I don't, you know, I've never used a bot on anything or I don't like, I'm not like hoarding mm-hmm. things or I've never mm-hmm. had a warehouse. And and we talked about it someone here, like when I moved at the end of last year, I had all these shoes and I was just trying to downsize. So it's yeah, like, that's, I mean, that, yeah, you know, like, what, what, what are you going to do? What are you, what, like, what are you yeah. supposed to do? And, and it, a funny story about that, like when I, when I had those shoes, so a big part of this, I set this again, I, I moved in September. And so I was trying to seriously downsize. And I think I was trying to get rid of like 175 shoes. That was my goal. So I, I sold a bunch to StockX. I donated some, sold some here. And then part of this thing was I, I sold a bunch through Goat and somebody there helped me out to basically have a courier come to my house and take the shoes. And I had to box them up and they took them to LA to the warehouse. Now, part of the thing was I had to figure out how to best box up these shoes. And I was like, I have 160 pairs or 150 pairs and I don't know how to do it. And I had talked to the kid, Joe Hebert, because he was somebody who I followed on Twitter, West Coast Joe, and like had asked him for information just to like get gauges on like the sneaker resale market at times. And, you know, so I had chatted with him a few times. And it's funny because when I was getting rid of a good chunk of my shoes, I was basically looking for like, what's the best boxes for shipping? And I had, you know, he had the answer immediately. He said, Home Depot, extra large wow. boxes. You can fit exactly 11 hmm. shoe boxes in there. So like, it, it's funny, like, you know, I've never done business with the kid, never bought anything from him, sold everything from him. But like, you know, he, he had the info right away. But yeah, like things like that, like, I, I you know, Again, I know people are upset about reselling and they're upset that they can't get shoes. I think that's sometimes it's like two different conversations. But yeah, I've, uh, I've resold a lot. What of about stuff. our conversation Sunday night? <laughs> you know, we won't go into detail, but it was like you had a shoe that yeah. someone someone wanted a pretty rare shoe. And I wish we could go into detail on this. Yeah, Joe. we can't. We can't though. We can't. And it was <laughs> okay, like okay, set the scene as well as you can. No, it's like you had a you have a super rare shoe that you accumulated. I don't think you paid that much money for it, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculously rare and then someone was looking for them and then i was kind of like going back and forth and Mm -hmm. it was like to me the other side of reselling that we've been talking about a little bit kind of like you bought that shoe from a passion standpoint is that fair to say i guess and i was interested in it It was rare you know obscure and i could see why it's attractive to people it was like a fun process i remember like yeah. texting you back and forth like it's a fun fun process the deal yeah and it was like it wasn't and and that's not to say that the other part of the reselling isn't fun either but that like the little taste of of that and and going in between uh was was interesting but, but you know and joe you and i talked it through you were like well how much do you care about owning this shoe and it's like i've, I've yeah. owned this shoe for you know almost almost 10 years now and it's like mm-hmm. i I've, I've had that satisfaction of owning it so who's to say i can't resell it to somebody for more money now that yeah. it's newly culturally interesting you know yeah yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> and i i think the, there's two things that i want to say like the first is that it's not that i don't have 
sympathy for people who can't get shoes. But part of me doesn't really care as much if every single shoe. <laughs> Be careful, you're gonna get. No, I don't. Care. I really don't care because I've I've said this multiple times on the podcast, yeah. and I, I I genuinely feel this way. Yeah. If the only shoes that you want are the shoes that resell for you know over a thousand dollars, like you're only looking to cop grails. Maybe that's all you want to wear, but if the only shoes you like are looking to buy are Chunky Dunkies and Dior Ones and Travis Scott Fours, like that's your only interest in sneakers. You have to know, number one, going in, it's going to be really fucking hard to get these shoes. It's not going to be yeah. it's not going to be easy in that like You know what it was when you signed up. Yeah. And and if you want to cry that you can't get your hands on every single one of these shoes, but then again, at the same point, you don't have interest in any other sneakers outside of that. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, you know what? I have no sympathy for you mm-hmm. whatsoever that you can't get these shoes because the reseller got them because you don't like shoes that aren't grails. Mm. Sorry. Um, I don't know. That's just like pretty, pretty straight up with it. You know, it's like a lot of people wear shoes that aren't grails, but it feels like maybe a newer generation. I'm not even saying younger, just people who got into sneakers more recently the only stuff that they want are like the hand, the select five shoes that are popular on Instagram at the moment, you know? Yeah. And the other one that other people have, you know, uh, a problem with sometimes, and maybe this might be a little bit more taboo is like, if you got a shoe for free, is it okay to resell it? Um, I would say to some degree, yes. Um, you know, a lot of the times these brands are in, they're sending you stuff because you know the person and you have a real relationship with them. I think you should keep the shoe in in that case if it's something that you really like. But a lot of times you get hit up by people kind of trying to leverage, you know, the platform and like hopes that you'll post this on social media and, you know, you'll give them free promo because they gave you a free pair of sneakers, which you may have not even have asked for in oh, the that's first place. That's still happening. I feel like that yeah. happens less and less. No, no, no. It, but also, that's not. I, I, I agree with you on that, wealthy. But I feel like that's such a niche, like first world problem from our. Like, yeah, that, that's not yeah. relatable to our audience because, like, yeah. we we get yeah. free sneakers and sometimes we sell them, sometimes we don't. But like, <laughs> but that's I, what I mean. I, I know, I know, I know. But I just like. But I, I do want to talk about things that are more relatable because I feel like we all have some horror stories around this. Like, do you guys have a particular moment where a sneaker resell meetup or event or transaction that was planned went wrong? I don't. I you, definitely. I definitely don't. Just so, the, just so the, high, Joe. Like they're no, never going to the, mess with you. No, I mean just the Tiffany Dunk thing that I always say that I ordered the, yeah. the first part. I ordered from eBay. The first part of the story I ordered from eBay back when it wasn't really authenticated at all or really wild, monitored. Wild you know, it was back in the day. Yeah, when they first came out, they just never came, and I never got the money back. And then, of course, I always say it. It's it's not that interesting of a story at this point. And then the other one where I. I bought the shoes from someone at Complex, the Tiffany Dunks, and they ended up being fake. But <laughs> no, I never did meetups or anything like that. Wealthy? I did actually, you know what? Oh. I did actually get a good pair. You know what? I met up with someone who I bought the shoes, a great price, the band Jordan 1s okay. in Long Island with the X's on it. Yes, and he gave me a shoe. great, great price. And it was funny he was in Long Island because that's it was like an outlet shoe and he must yeah. have got them from the outlets. But I definitely met up with him in a parking lot and like gave him it was like must have been cheap, two fifty yeah. or something yeah. like that. And I I love that pair of the X's. Did he know who you were? Oh, it, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was a while back. But we I were just like, w- fr- 
yeah, we were like friends, kind of friends, gotcha, like gotcha. Dis- distant, distant friends. Gotcha. Wealthy. Yeah. I don't know if I had told you guys about it because I feel like we talk about shoes so much that you're like, have I rehashed these stories? But <laughs> you can't remember what you I said remem- on the podcast versus in our group chat. I know. I feel bad. Some of these stories are rehashed. Yeah. Yeah. But I had bought in the eggplant foam posits when they came out the second time in 2009 because they were like our early release, I think like the year before or something like that. Okay. And, and, I bought them and I got them on the employee discount on the employee appreciation and they were a hundred bucks. And I was like, I wore them once because I got them and I was like, these are awesome. Then I was Wait, like, are you I'm about never- to out yourself? This is the whole thing we're complaining about is people with, uh, <laughs> with ties or reselling sneakers. No, that they got a discount. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, okay, okay. I bought, the, I, no I bought the shoe. I bought the shoes and I was like, oh, these are so fucked. They're like this one kid I worked with, Anthony, was a huge foam posit guy like mm-hmm. early on. And he was like trying to convince me that foam posits were awesome. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go buy these shoes no matter what. And I mm-hmm. bought the egg- eggplant foams. And then I wore them once and I was like, I'm never going to fucking wear foam posits. What was, like, the why did I- <laughs> what was the outfit that a 2009 Weldy had on with the eggplant foams? Ah, uh, I want to say it was like a pair of like, selvage denim jeans and then maybe like a stash like subwear t-shirt purple okay. uh ralph Lauren purple dad hat <laughs> <laughs> i mean no you know oh the, the belt match i think you know what i wore it i think i wore it on the end card for a full size run it was a gray and purple information aloha t-shirt where wow. it said army but it was like aloha spray painted over it yeah i yeah. remember um, that wow i th- i think that i uh this guy's memory is insane yeah that's what i wore with it no because i wore it recently and um not so the I whole fit what no 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 i wore the t-shirt <laughs> okay, i had okay. i found a t-shirt in my closet and you know what i i had the shoes and then it's like 2011 and where foams were popular again and i was like i have these shoes i'm in college you know, I just want to, I think I wanted a hundred bucks or 150 bucks for them. Like either basically what I paid, mm-hmm. nobody wanted the purple foam posits. I tried mm-hmm. like selling them to like everyone in the store and they wanted the metallic red ones that were coming out. And I'm like, don't you realize that the eggplants are better than yeah. these ones? And I could not get the shoes off. And I had another pair of infrared nineties that I had bought for someone who never paid me for them. And they were sitting in my trunk and I sold Eggplant foams and infrared 90s, I think, for either 150 or 200 bucks total, flat, both mm, pairs. Mm. Did you, did you, did you feel like you didn't get enough? Like, were you hanging your head between, you know? No, because like, I feel like reselling was, I wasn't, it wasn't even to make money. It was just kind of like, yeah. I'm in college. I need like an extra like 200 bucks to like last me, you know, for like going yeah. out money. So I wasn't yeah. mad about it, you know? Don, what about you? Yeah, I guess I resell significantly more shoes than you guys because I have like a lot of tails like this. But one of the one of the most painful ones I had sold to a person. This was probably in 2012, maybe 2013. I had the Pata Asics Gel Saga from 2011. Which, Great shoe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and people were really high on Asics at the time. All those all those retro Asics with collaborations with stores in Europe were very hard to get and they resold for a lot of money. And I had this pair of Pata A6 gel saga that I sold to somebody online and I think they didn't pay and they offered to meet up in New York. Okay. And you know, I just recently moved to New York. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I feel fine doing that. You know, I didn't feel concerned for my safety or anything like that. And I think, I think at first they flaked on me and then they were like, okay, okay. I, I, sorry, I, I'm going to get you the payment next week. We'll meet up next week or something like that. And 
I haven't relived this story in a long time, so I'm trying to summon up the details. I don't have quite the memory that Fuelty does, but eventually we set a time for a meetup, and it was a rainy evening in the fall in New York, and, and I was in, in Chinatown, and they, they, they wanted to meet up on Canal Street in like a bank lobby, and I think that he gave, I think the guy, it was, it was a guy who bought the shoes for me, and he sent his girlfriend to like complete the transaction, but he didn't give her enough money because i think he was trying to like short me on the on the total price you know mm-hmm. and he was like texting me being like yeah she's she's there she's across the street and it was like raining outside but she didn't have enough money or like something something about it like wasn't right and i was just like you know what this this person had already put me through a ton of bullshit with this transaction so i was like i'm done with this i'm not selling you the shoes even though it's a rainy night <laughs> and his girlfriend is across the street in the lobby of the bank like waiting for me and eventually both these people lose it and they're texting me and calling me from all these different numbers trying to get me to pick up and just come across the street and sell them the shoes and I'm blocking numbers left and right as they continue to call me and and she's upset because <laughs> oh, she let him down because you know but he didn't give her the money and this is like the second time he's flaked on me and I was like on principle I'm not doing this so it, it was this evening of me just like shutting down all these attempts from these people and then you know he gave me like a negative review or something afterward and tried to say that I flaked but then the funny part of it all was after all this, after I shut that down, this same person went back and bought the sneakers from me on that platform and w- was and I was super nervous because I recognized it was the same person and I was like, oh my God, this person's going to try and scam me. So I remember when I took those shoes, Pata Asics Gel Saga, when I took them to the um, post office to deliver them, I took a video of me like <laughs> putting putting the box with the label into the post office drop box just to let so I had video evidence because I was so sure that this person was going to try and scam me, you know. But it, that that second transaction worked out fine. But yeah, I have I have not a ton of stories that are quite so harrowing, but lots of things <laughs> like that where things just go wrong. You know what I mean? This this is this this happens in the in the resale world as as we've as we've seen Definitely. by the evidence of this past week. Definitely. And, and it's a world that it's not going away and there's going to take many different routes and it's definitely here to stay. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening to the Complex Sneakers podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, rate. We read all the comments on wherever you get the Complex Sneakers podcast. We will see you guys next week. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.